welcome to For the Record, an unfiltered view on current trends and timeless advice for surviving in the aesthetics industry. Whether you're an objector, practice owner, sales rep, or marketer, it's time to set the record straight. Each week, we cut through the chaos and showcase diverse perspectives and winning ideas from the best minds in the industry. I'm your host, Dr. Tiffany Hall, Chief Growth Officer at Aesthetic Record. Now, let's get started on this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of For the Record. And as we go to the tail end of our season, we're going to shake things up a little bit here and do something a little bit different than we usually do. We have a whole new concept today that I am a huge fan of, um, that I think is just the coolest thing ever and is going to maybe change our industry entirely in the coming years. We have with us today a true pioneer of this new concept, Michelle Chapman, who is a nurse practitioner in Central Florida, and she is the owner of MC Aesthetics which is a luxury, phenomenal medical spa on wheels. It's a mobile med spa where she's seeing patients in a concierge fashion at their work, at their home, really wherever they are. And she's taken her, her show on the road, if you will. Started out in the ICU and became an, a nurse practitioner and then on to aesthetics a few years later. So she's newer to the industry in general, but not to nursing at all and to ICU. And she's here today to discuss her, her med spa concept, owning a business, what it's like to even start this industry and kind of get kicked off from being a, a hospital nurse and so now an aesthetics nurse and all the trials and tribulations. So Michelle, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for that introduction. I must say when you reached out to me, initially I saw I'm like driving home from work from a 12 hour shift because I still pick up at the hospital and I'm seeing like notifications like that you had liked some of my, um, my posts and I was like, oh, okay, well, I didn't even know she knew who I was. And then I saw you in my DMs and I was like, okay, wait, because I'm usually like not into like the whole social media, like, or obviously I'm on social media, but I feel like sometimes we put people in our industry in a pedestal. So I don't really worry about that. But I was a little starstruck when I, I saw you in my DMs. <laughs> well, as they say, I slid into your DMs. I've always wanted to do that. So I guess I did that. But now I just, you know, I found you on Instagram one day. I don't know how I found your stuff, but I just thought, you know, People who take risks are my kind of people, and I think it's a big risk in the current environment to go mobile. But really, as I mentioned, it's like I think the thing that, you know, the wave of the future, the concierge idea, patients want so much more from us. And a brick and mortar is around, you know, making them work for you versus you working for them. So I just think the concept is so neat. But I want to start from the beginning because I think ICU is an incredible place to start, especially with the adverse events and things we hear about now with ultrasound and all the stuff going on in our industry. So give us an idea of where you come from and how you ended up here in aesthetics. Well, yeah, I did ICU for about 10 years before I went um, for my MP. And I think just like most bedside nurses, we were just physically and emotionally tired. We wanted something different. So I went back to school. I became an MP. As an MP, I worked in like retail health clinics. And I just thought, you know, you go into healthcare to help people. But at the end of the day, it's a business. So the people above me, it's like, well, how long is your appointment for you to get bonus? Your appointment has to be this long. But yes, they're only coming in for, you know, they woke up with a sinus infection, but you didn't talk about their diabetes, their high blood pressure, their kidney disease. But again, keep it within 15 minutes if you want your bonus. And then also I was like in a little, like the office was, my living room is bigger than the office. There was no windows. And I was just thinking like, there's just no way, like I cannot do this for the rest of my life. So I don't even know how I thought about aesthetics. I think I, one day I was just like, oh, let me try, you know, I'm gonna do a Botox class. 
And after taking that class, I just like fell in love. Like I totally nerded out. I don't understand how some people just take one class and they're like, oh yes, on Monday I'm opening my med spa. Like I really fell in love obviously with the artistry and creativity of it, but the science, like I don't, people don't realize that this is medicine. And I just totally dove in and I said, okay, well, I'm going to leave the clinic and I'm going to go back um, to bedside. I'm going to start doing travel nursing so I can save money for these trainings that are not cheap. Um, and then COVID happened, which I guess kind of helped me because it helped me save money and, you know, pay for, you know, all my trainings. And somehow I landed, um, somebody was like looking for a nurse. They were looking for an RN, but I wanted to get into aesthetics so bad. I didn't care. I took the big pay cut, like I less than what I was making as a nurse. I didn't care. I just wanted to be in there. And I said, I'll take it. It ended up being a little shady. <laughs> but when you first get into aesthetics, you kind of don't know what you don't know. And then there was just like red flags. Like I never met the medical director. I found out it was just red flags. So I ended up going to another place and um, they were legit. <laughs> And I worked for them for, for a little bit. And then at some point I just started thinking, oh, you know, maybe I could do this by on my own. And I started thinking, well, maybe I could do mobile because as an MP, I also did home visits for an insurance company. But then I was thinking, well, I don't want to be the bag lady. I don't want to be going in and out with all these bags, all my equipment. And then you don't know the environment. Like I'm not in control of the environment. I don't know how clean it is. They're distracted with their kids, with their pets. And I don't know, God just put this idea in my head and was like, oh, maybe mobile. And I think I was doing so many different things at the time that I just thought that, but I was so distracted that I didn't realize that I was actually doing something so different. And then I was like, oh, I guess we're like really doing this. Like we have a spa on wheels, like literally. <laughs> literally. When you see it, it is really a spa on wheels. You know, I think what's interesting about you is you're newer to the industry, obviously. You know, you're a post-pandemic baby, but post-COVID baby, which I love you guys that all came out and really saw the difference in, you know, leaving the bedside. I'm sure it was a traumatic few years and going through the whole thing with the pandemic, especially if you're travel nursing. I know it's very, very tough as it is. And then you're all here, and it's like it's a whole new world for you. We've, we've Now we're all pretty, and we have big lips and nice and cheeks. We don't have people who are sick. And, you know, I think it's different for sure from ICU critical care going into this. It's a way different experience of, of health care than I guess you're probably used to. But I think it has its own challenges, right? The patient is uh, opinionated. She's bossy. She, you know, is thinking about her money. There's no insurance. So I think it's equal um, but both challenging in different ways. So I would love to kind of hear your thoughts on you know, as you leave the ICU and you're in all that, you leave travel nursing, coming into this world, before you even started the med spa, before you even started, you know, on the on the, the, the bus or the van, becoming an entrepreneur. Was that ever in your heart? Did you think I want to be a business owner? I'm ready for this challenge. Or you just kind of jumped in and said, huh, we'll just try it out and see what happens. I think looking back now, it makes sense. I never really was thinking that, but both my parents growing up, own businesses. I think my personality, I've heard a lot that I don't like to listen to other people. So it's making sense now <laughs> that I'm doing it. And so, yeah, I never really, it was always there, but maybe I just never had the plan, but it, it makes sense. Well, and I'm sure it's nice coming from retail where you're having to do bonuses and all these quotas and things. So now kind of setting your own schedule, but 
I'm curious, it's like a CVS or Walgreens, is that where you worked, one of those kind of retail giants? I can't imagine the, um, it's like a factory in there. And again, this is much, much different, but thinking about your training. So, you know, it's 2018, you're coming out of the pandemic, or you're going into the pandemic, your MP is finished, you're, you know, doing the travel nursing thing, getting trained. I get asked this all the time for a new person coming into the industry who's leaving the bedside, where do you start? You mentioned you took one class and got hooked. What was your path for training to feel confident enough to be able to, again, be on your own, because now you have no one with you, right? You're on your own in your van. To be alone and be injecting all day, how much did you take as far as training? What kind of trainings? What do you recommend? So I'll start off with saying like everyone's path into aesthetics is totally different. I don't think there's like a right way, a wrong way, especially each state. There's so many different regulations. It's just different. But for me, I just kept taking trainings and I learned early on that not all trainings are great. (laughs) And at first in the beginning, I was just thinking like, is it me? Like, why am I taking all these trainings? And I feel like I still don't feel confident or competent. And I feel like there's some courses that they kind of just I feel like a lot of people, there's a bad rep for, you know, new injectors that are doing X, Y, and Zs. But I also want to turn it back to the trainers. If you're training someone and you have a basic course, there's certain things that you should not even be training. You should not be doing noses. You shouldn't be doing temples. Why are you teaching this versus that you're skimming over everything on the top versus trying to make them good at the, at the basics. So I felt like I kept taking these trainings, but it was like, I was in a weird space. Like I was not a beginner, like I was a beginner in like technique, but in my knowledge, I I felt like I was intermediate. It was like a weird thing until I realized, okay, well, I started looking into like smaller classes, one-on-ones and yes, it's expensive. I feel like a lot of times people just want to get into aesthetics because, you know, it looks all glamorous and Yes, I guess it is glamorous to the point that where it's like a beauty thing, but it's still a job. It's still medicine and owning, like I feel some other trainers are like, oh yeah, you could take a course and you could start your business tomorrow. And then there's others that are like, no, 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 no. And when I started, I was like, oh, these people that are saying no, they're haters. No, they're not haters. They were looking out. (laughs) They were trying to let you know because entrepreneurship, I I say it's like character development on a hundred. I've learned so much about myself and yeah, it's not easy. It's not for, for the week. So I would just say like invest in your training, look into your training and also know what is your learning style. I feel like sometimes two people will see someone that is, you know, farther along in aesthetics and they want to emulate exactly what they're doing. And at the end of the day, that's a different person. There's no way you have different dexterity. You're supposed to pick up little things and what works for you. Stop trying to be, you know, the whoever you're training with. There's just no way you're not that person. Yeah, you know, it's interesting you mentioned that because I have been teaching and building injection techniques for a long time. So it, when I was with Galderma, I built some techniques. When we launched Cannula, I built the, the, the cheat technique. I've been training and building trainings for a hot minute, and I could not inject. Like, technically speaking, I know everything about it. I can tell you how to do it. I could be, I could be your coach. You know, I could be like your injection coach. Where to do it, how to do it, how much to do it, what to look for, palpating this, looking for arteries and veins here, all the things. But I have never injected another human. Obviously, I don't have a license. 
And there's something to be said for the actual tissue, the turgor of the skin, how you feel resistance to the needle when you're, you know, when you're going to aspirate in real tissue versus when you're doing it like in a cadaver, boluses, all the things that you got to have hands on. And I have so many friends who've taken so many great didactic courses and they have watched injectors inject, but it's like until you put your hands on it, it ain't the same sister. You've got to actually do, do the work. And so I think to go sit in a class and listen to an injector inject without a frame of reference of what he or she is talking about when they mention depths and what you're going to feel when the cannula slides in and it feels like butter. If you've never felt that, it's impossible for you to really get get there with them, right? To get to get to the same wavelength because you don't know what they're talking about. So I, I agree with you. It's your learning style, what you're comfortable with, but you've got to actually have hands-on tissue. HOT, those hours count. I think in regular medicine, to your point, like in the ICU, a cardiologist, a neurologist, you know, they have to do, obviously, surgery to become a, you know, a surgeon. you got to do injections to become an injector. So I think it's a big mess. I agree with you 100%. Yes, I am totally for, I would love some type of regulation for, you know, you need X amount of hours of training for something because it's it's kind of crazy. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of that, you are in a very regulated state down there in Florida. You guys have all kinds of laws we don't have here in Texas. In Texas, anyone can inject, including the janitor or the, you know, whoever, the garbage man. Down there, you guys are very specific about nurse practitioners, PAs, and physicians. So thinking about your mobile med spa and thinking about just where that all started, becoming an NP, obviously you had to do that to even get to inject there, but legalities. Before we even go into like what it looks like, what it's all about, legalities. How much different is it, legally speaking, for you to have a med spa on wheels versus one that's in a brick-and-mortar location? Um. So when it comes to brick and mortar, I didn't really compare my business to a brick and mortar. I really didn't look into a brick and mortar. When I worked in the clinic, being stuck somewhere, I think it gave me PTSD. And even as a nurse at the bedside in the later years, I would do float nursing. So every day was different. Like I like that. So in my mind, it was always going to be mobile. So when I started off, I did get a compliance manager and I said, listen, I know about the injecting, that stuff, the whole, the laws, I know nothing about it. This is something different. So obviously I want to do it the right way. And they guided me, thank gosh, because that's another thing. Like there's so much gray area too. Like it's not clear cut. So I was like, yeah, take, take care of that for me. <laughs> You let the, the expert be the experts. I think that's the big thing, too. Say, hey, attorney, hey, accountant, hey, whoever. This is what you know how to do. You go do that thing, and I'll go do what I do, and I'll go do my thing, and we'll all just you know live harmoniously together. You have to have a, a group of advisors, I think, around you to kind of help you build this thing out. But I think it also makes it go fast. Imagine if you had to do all that by yourself and also getting your van together, getting the marketing ideas together, getting you know just you becoming an injector business owner together how much more time it would have taken you to get all that done as opposed to having someone who does it every day that's really good at it and really fast at it. I just think that there's a big time part there that people don't think about. In the end of the day, you lose as much money waiting as you do just paying for someone to do it fast. Yeah, absolutely. I'm all about, if it's not my expertise, I just got someone for social media and I'm so happy. I am so happy that she's taken that off my plate because it's too much time. <laughs> well, I just hired one here and we're in the middle of onboarding. So, you know, with Black Friday coming, we've got a big promotion. We're launching big software this week. And, you know, this will air a few weeks after that. But, you know, she's just learning. And so I think about that all the time. Like, if I could just take that off my plate every day, how many hours I would have in a week just not to do marketing anymore? It'd be like I have a whole new job. Like, I'd be just free. I could go have, like, a martini and a bonbon or something. I'd, I'd be at home at night by, like, you know, 9 o'clock not working, but not the case. But it brings me to you and working with the med, the med spa. 
because you are concierge. So I think to, to start kind of diving into that, from a concierge standpoint, people always tell me, or I hear this a lot, it's not safe because it's not clean, it's not sterile, you know, the whole concierge idea. You're obviously in a very controlled environment, which you mentioned, but also the fact that it's more dangerous, right? If there's an adverse event, where do you go? What do you do? You're not in your, in your clinic. Well, I think you're like in a mobile ambulance. I mean, you're, you're better off, right? You're, you're jumping the shark here. But what do you say to people who tell you it's not the right fit or it's not the right idea and that it's, you know, either diminishing medicine or that it's not um, a good look for the industry? Because I'm curious how you combat that because I'm a big believer, as you know. Um, I guess I don't really care what they think <laughs> because it's not true. Just because you have a brick and mortar doesn't make it clean. I, I don't see how my space is not clean. I clean the van before and after each patient. I get it clean professionally. They steam clean it, it's disinfected. You have people that are going into people's homes and are doing injections. So I would say that this is more hygienic and more, more clean than that. Um, if something were to happen, it, it's the same thing. If I was in a brick and mortar by myself, what am I going to do different? I have all the supplies in the van. And if I need to drive you somewhere else, I can. <laughs> so I am bringing ultrasound into my practice. So I don't think that any of those things. Yeah, I mean, I, we've been doing wound care for how many years? I mean, gosh, if you have surgery, they have, you know, home health nurses, if you have any kind of wound care issue, they always come to your house and repack your wounds. I mean, I think we've been doing it for so long. But I think what you said about you can control the environment, I never really thought about that. You know, going into someone's home that you don't know is a weird thing for me in general. Like, I don't, I think trick-or-treating is very strange. Like, knocking on a stranger's door just freaks me out. I can't imagine going to their house. But, um, you know, for you, you're controlling your environment, right? They're coming into your space. So give us an idea of what your space looks like. Because if you guys haven't seen it, go to her Instagram and look at it. It is absolutely gorgeous. But tell us how it works when I walk into this van. They're all thinking like a small van. It's a Mercedes Sprinter van. We have one here at AR. How big is it? What does it look like? How do you get everything sort of situated where you can have, you know, access to the patient and be able to move around? So, yeah, it's a small, intimate little space. Like when I first come in on the side, I have some chairs and it's kind of like the waiting area. And if you're going to want to do any injections with your friends, they could sit there. Or I sit there when I'm consulting and then there's the the chairs where I do the injection where I specifically got because it was narrow. I didn't want something wide where I could walk around. So there's just different little things. Like I have a tray that is foldable. So I use that tray where I put all my things, my trash can that I use, like I could wave to open it. So when I'm injecting with gloves or anything, I'm not like cross contaminating. So different little things like that. But I, it's like, even if you have a brick and mortar, there's some people that start with a very small space and that's the same thing as me. Mine just has wheels. <laughs> and vans are livable now, right? You can live in one of those things. So for sure you can inject in it. And if you guys came to AN last year, we had one very similar to your same size out front. People were, they were getting injected all day long. We had several different vendors out there injecting. Um, I think Evels was there. We had Prolinium doing filler. And it's plenty big enough. We had three of us in there, plus a patient that's doing some, you know, some points. A little cramp for all of us in there, but definitely enough room to move around. But as I think about that, you know, you're moving, obviously. How do you keep things? It's like being on a cruise ship or airplane. How do you keep things from moving around when you're driving around town? Because I'm sure you have to lock your brakes up like we all do when we're driving. How do you keep it all stationary, especially the bed? Because those things are quite heavy so that there is no, um, you know, no issue so the chair is actually, it's bolted into the floor. So when they did the build, they bolted it, yeah, to the floor. So I don't want my chair flying all over the place. 
and someone built it out for you. So who who does this? So if you're if you're listening to this thinking, I would love to do a mobile med spa on wheels. How cool is that? Who builds these things out? Did you have a vendor do it, or did you kind of customize it yourself, or how did you get it built? So at the time when I first started, I had I was living in Georgia, and I found someone um, in Georgia, and I would say that kind of has been my main issue um, has been the build because I feel there's no one that specializes in building vans for a business they'll build it for you know for people that go cross country um and then there's not a lot of resources so now i I live in florida and things have come up with you know the wiring or things like that and thank gosh i found someone but he's also an hour away and it's not like i'm his only patient and he's waiting for michelle to call him to come fix her van (laughs) so that has kind of been my my main issue just the the upfitting and the resources for the van well, I mentioned, I think, to you before we came on, uh, the group Craftsman, they make these things. They do custom build-outs all the way from RV size, the Evelis van, if you guys have seen that, like that size, to like the smaller ones. And they're the only ones I've ever found that did it, that specialize in aesthetics and built aesthetic treatment vans just for patients. And so I know that they do it. It's, it's quite pricey. I mean, obviously, you know it's quite pricey. It's quite pricey to build. So someone thinks it's like a whole lot cheaper. Newsflash, it's not a whole lot cheaper because you have to have an actual thing that you own. Now you have to have, you know, it's just different to have a vehicle as it is to a brick and mortar. You own that thing for a while. There is no like rent that you can just get out of your lease and jump on. You got to find someone else to buy it. So I definitely think it's not cheaper. So people who say to you, it's, you know, it's so cheap. It's so inexpensive. How do you answer that question? Because I, I guess it's probably not so much cheaper. Yes, it's not. <laughs> it's not, not cheap. Like I... Like, once again, I don't know how much it would be for a brick and mortar because I didn't look into that. But I know what I've spent on the van is it's been um, it's expensive. So it definitely I feel like some people think like, oh, you're doing that because it's cheaper. And no. or then they will say like, oh, but it's a write off. And it's like, well, who's in business to write everything off? Like, I want to show that I'm making money. <laughs> so, yeah. Well, don't, because then you can pay less taxes. Show that you're dirt poor and making no money because you can pay less taxes. But you have it beautifully wrapped, so you have to ho- go have the whole thing wrapped and make it look nice. So you are a walking billboard or, I guess, a rolling billboard for the practice. Do you find you get a lot of business, people who are seeing you, like, drive down the road and find your number and call you or look on Instagram? Yeah, I've had people, like, call me and say, like, I'm right behind you in the light. <laughs> <laughs> That's one oh, way to I do it. You, you know, driving. I saw you in the highway today. Or sometimes people will like snap pictures and like send me an Instagram, like, "Oh, I saw you today on the road." <laughs> That'd be a fun campaign for marketing of like spot the van. If you take a picture of it and tag us in it, you know, you could do some really fun things with that, like a Where's Waldo. But I was reading your reviews because I again I stalk everyone that comes on the show and people in your reviews almost in every single review mentioned the convenience factor and the fact that you came to their work. One girl said she had her lips done over her lunch break and they by the way were gorgeous. People had, you know, mentioned that just you came to their home or it was really convenient. They'd never do anything else except for this ever again. Like they love the concierge idea, you know, coming to their houses. Do you find that it's a competitive advantage? I feel like it would be because it's so different and that patients really cling to the idea that you can meet them wherever they are and just walk in and get injected. I feel like initially when people see it, they are attractive for, that it's um, it's concierge. But I feel like my retention is high and it's more so because I, it's very important for me to have a relationship with my patients. Like if it, you're looking for a one and done, like I am not your injector. Like I'm literally coming into your space. 
you're coming into my space. And I think really that's what people kind of gravitate to. At first, when they see like it's mobile, they're like, oh, that's so cool. And then they look into me like, okay, well, she knows what she's doing. This is not like, you know, a swatch shop. I'm going to get in there and something crazy is going to pop out of here. She knows what she's doing and she cares about what she's doing. So I think that's really more so why people keep coming. Yeah, it's not a gimmick. I think there is a a risk factor there that people could think, oh, it's just a gimmick to get people in the door. But you have to be a really great injector. I think even more so probably because it is mobile, you've got to kind of overcome a stigma, if you will, that it, that you are really great at what you do. But I feel like, you know, from just to go back to like it being competitive advantage, as I look you up, you know, you are relatively new in aesthetics. You've been in all kinds of magazines. You've been on Instagram cover stories of different groups in Tampa and Orlando. You've had a lot of press and I often wonder, as I think about these things that are kind of a, a fun, different, not getting, but just different, if it's fodder for the press. Like, I think you get more, um, more press because you are different and unique and it's a cool story to tell. So do you feel like you've had a, um, a really good advantage with at least getting some of the, you know, marketing around you that you didn't pay for, that people came to you and asked you about what you were doing and wanted to, you know, feature you in stories and things? Yeah, with the marketing, yeah, I, I would say, yeah, that's an advantage. Yeah, even even in all kinds of stuff, I think it's really cool. But back to you injecting, because I I mentioned you know read your reviews, lots of facial balancing, lots of facial balancing, lots 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 of facial balancing. Is that your forte? Do you feel like that's one of the things that you are best known for? Um, I would say that's something that I'm definitely striving for. I feel like, I mean, if you're into aesthetics, you know how important it is to do facial balancing. It's like when you come to the doctor they're doing a full assessment. They're not just focusing on one thing. And sometimes me, if you're wanting to come in for lips, cause you know, everyone loves lips, but if you don't have a chin and now I give you lips, you may hate the lips now because I've thrown you off. So I feel like when you actually sit down and talk to someone and tell them this, they feel so much better. And I feel sometimes a newer injector may feel like you're selling your, and it's not that you're selling, you're telling the patient, this is what's going on. This is what you need. And then they could decide how they want to do things. And at the end of the day, if they go to another injector that actually tells them that they feel, I don't know how many times my patients will tell me like, oh my gosh, like I've had other consultations and no one has, you know, explained this to me, how you've explained it to me. If you had seen me three years ago, you would know, or actually probably more like five years ago, I was a poster child for that. I've had my whole face dissolved and rebuilt in the last, I don't know, five years. And I looked totally different because I had overly done cheeks and I had these crazy big lips and nothing else was right. It was a hot mess express, sister. And I'm a patient who was informed, right? I knew better. I knew about aesthetics. I knew the answer. And I still fell into the trap of just having bigger cheeks and bigger lips. So I think for a layman, it's really easy to get sucked into that. You just think more, 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 more. You know, I just, you keep, keep filling it up, but there is a risk, obviously. But I think about you and as you're looking at your schedule to that point with, with the full face balancing, if you're driving around, you can't see them back to back to back to back, right? That's not possible. What does it take to be profitable for you, for a patient to come in and sit in your chair and you to drive to their office? Is it one service, two services? Like, how do you balance the time with what you're able to give them to make it worthwhile for you? Because you can't, again, go back to back to back as you move around around town. Yeah. For it to make, um, for me as a business owner, I wouldn't mind seeing just three patients a day if I'm doing full facial balancing. You know, profit-wise, that makes more sense versus just driving around to give you 20 units of, of tox. That, you know, really doesn't make sense, which is another thing that I tell like some people that want to 
come into aesthetics and they're like, oh, I want to go mobile. Well, I could go on with that conversation in so many different directions. But if you've never injected anyone, you don't feel comfortable or you're only comfortable telling someone that they need 20 units, like you're not gonna, you're not gonna make a profit doing that. And I feel like some people think like, oh, I'm gonna get into talks and I'm gonna become rich. Like, no, first go find out how much that bottle of talks is for you, okay? You're not gonna get rich off talks. Then a lot of people come into like, um, people that wanna come into aesthetics, like I am open, like people, tons of people come inside my DMs and I am a big voice note person. Like. I go into detail. I've made so many friends just talking to people. But if you've never um, had the treatments yourself, why are you coming into aesthetics? That's, that's not making <laughs> any, any sense to me. So I feel like people really need to get to know um, aesthetics. Uh, the best thing would be to for you to work for someone else and see like if you're not filling up your own books, what makes you think going on your own and this is very expensive for you to like, what is going to change just because it's your name does not change anything. So I think you need to get comfortable on doing full faces and things like that. If you're wanting to make a profit and if not, then you might as well just, it's better to work for somebody else and just show up. All you have to do is show up and inject and not worry about the other stuff. <laughs> That's your Ted talk right there, because I could not agree more. As a person who runs a business, I know what it costs to keep the lights on and to keep, you know, this week alone we bought like four computers, four Macs, you know, that's $7,000, chairs, monitors, dongles. That's just to get them to be able to like get into their email, much less, you know, the rent for the building and all the developers and software, you know, just to have the businesses, you know, millions of dollars a year just to like open up our front door. People, I think, get really confused on what it takes to buy product and inject it versus running a business that sells products and has injectors. It is a very different cost structure. And so I think we are disillusioned in our industry that it's, we're all making 50%. Like, oh, they're, I'm, you know, they're making all this money. Actually, no, they're not because someone had to market people to get here to see you. You know, if you're the injector, they had to pay for all the ads. They have to do all the, again, rent, overhead, malpractice, salaries, training dollars, CME dollars, you know, and the product itself and all the medical supplies. And if they give you scrubs and on and on and on and on devices if they're doing you know checkout and charting it starts to add up quick and so i think there is some disconnect here that you know it's all profit 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 but i think what you mentioned about working in a med spa for somebody else is you start to see that you start to see that if i do toxin all day long i'm working my ass off and i'm making no money i don't get a big bonus i don't get a big commission because i'm working non-stop but i'm doing 20 units here and there there's just not enough left over you've got to do i think big bulk injections for people in order to make money on your time because you can do way more stuff in the same time if they're already numb. You know, we all know this versus having to numb a new patient each time, do pictures, do consult, do, you know, consent and questionnaire. It's just not in economies of scale if you do it the other way. So I couldn't agree more that toxin is not going to make you rich. It'll keep you in business. It'll keep you at least with a, a leaky bucket, but it will not make you rich. And people will go elsewhere to find things that they really want, like filler. So I'm all for it. But as you schedule them, do you tell them that? Do you tell them, hey, I can't come to wherever you are for just this thing. You need to do you know, A and B, because I think about massage, I had to get a massage this weekend at the Formula One race. And it's like, we have an 80 minute slot only. You can't do 60, tough luck, can't do 45. You can do 80 minutes and that's it. And I didn't get a choice. So I said, you know what? I want a massage bad enough. I'll do 80 minutes. I'll pay the extra fee. We don't do that here in aesthetics. We say, yeah, come in for your toxin. Do you make them actually buy into more than one thing to, to come to their office or their house? 
Um, right now, no. Usually, I have like a minimum for toxin. Um, for filler, I'm not giving them a minimum at this point. <laughs> at least a full syringe, obviously. Never any less than that. You can put it somewhere. I don't care what they say. You can put it somewhere. But yeah, I just think we have a um, we have a problem here where we we let people tell us what they're going to do. It's like, no, your hairdresser says we have a cut and a color, and that's all we have. So we're like, yep, I guess I'll get my hair color today. <laughs> guess I'll get it done. I need to get a haircut bad enough. We make them, you know, book whatever it is that we have open. But as you think through your day and how you schedule that, because even if people think about concierge, how do you know what time you have in between visits? Like if you're going to come to me in Tampa and then you're going to go somewhere else in between here in Orlando, do you end up in Orlando at the end of the day? Do you have certain areas that you do each day of the week? How does that work to build your schedule? So I currently live in Tampa, but I used to live in Orlando. And when I started the business, I was just doing Tampa. But I lived in Orlando about 13 years, so I have a lot of friends there, and they started reaching out to me like, hey, like, can you come over here? So when I go to Orlando, it's a weekend in Orlando where my books are, are booked. It's not that I'm just going for one thing, one appointment. So when I'm in Orlando, I'm in Orlando, you know, at least two days. And then when I'm in Tampa, I usually will look at my schedule. I have gotten very lucky, maybe because it's the whole concierge thing, and it's so intimate that my patients, we have built a relationship. So if I am I, sometimes my appointments, it's something that I could get done faster, but we're in there chatting a lot. So <laughs> we're chatting, we're talking, we're catching up. So it can run over a little bit. And usually I will see like the difference of one appointment to the next. And if I'm running late or anything, I do text my patient and they're usually, they're excited for me to come. They've already blocked that time and they know that I might be depending on the previous appointment that I might be running a little bit over. And they've been very okay with that. Well, I wonder too, as you think about other businesses, like I have a Cutco knife set, random I know, but anytime he's in Dallas, he texts me, hey, I'm in Dallas. Do you want to get your knife sharpened? Because you know, it's a thousand dollar freaking knife set. Like who needs that? I don't have no idea, but I bought one. So he's like, hey, I'm going to be in your neighborhood. Can I sharpen your knives? Or my guy from my Christmas lights said, hey, I'm going to be in your neighborhood next week doing other houses. I can look at your house, I have a new house, and give you a quote. Sure, great. He's like, and then I can do it the same day. Okay, perfect. Like, if they're going to be in my area, they let me know, hey, I'm going to be in your area. Do you want to go ahead and book with me? I feel like if you're small enough, as far as your patient base, you could say, hey, I'm going to be in your neighborhood. You know, we've talked about getting lifts done last time. Would you like to go ahead and book? I'm already going to be close by. I feel like you could probably get a lot of bookings. People just, they forget, right? We all get busy, we forget to do things. And then if you remind us, we'll say, yes, let's go ahead and get it done. But do you do that often to kind of like, geographically put things together around you so that it is easier for you to move around? Yeah, sometimes um, I'll switch it around or a lot of the times too, when I'm outside, like the neighbors are like calling them if they're friends with the neighbors, like, oh, I want to see her. How can I get an appointment? Or they'll put me in like the community forums. <laughs> You're like the ice cream truck. She's coming. She's coming. You get like a little, a little speaker on the outside of your van someplace, like some Lizzo or something as you drive up. But, you know, you do parties, I'm guessing, as well, So, because a perfect fit for parties. Do they come on the bus? I call it the bus. The van, one by one, do they, you know, do you actually go into their home for a party? How does a party work for you, and do you change it up a little bit when you're doing that kind of a, a larger group? So if it's a larger group, I do like to come in the home and kind of just do like a presentation, you know, what talks is, and, you know, go over the dosing and things like that. And then I'll have one by one go inside the van and treat them that way. I love it because I think the van, you have a real chair, you have all your supplies, it's all nice and clean, it's all there. 
of course, like walking them in, like if you're going to do Botox party, my gosh, perfect setup, right? Do the presentation. They say, gosh, I want to do it. Absolutely. Walk them all in one by one, have them get injected. I mean, it's, it's brilliant. I, I just think it's genius. But are you going to build this model out and hire more people to, to drive more vans? Or what's your idea for expansion? Um, yes, I'm thinking about it. Yeah, that's definitely not off the table. So, yes. And how does that work now for you, thinking through that? Because your business has your initials on it, right? It's MC Aesthetics. How do you grow that brand to someone else? Do you franchise it out and it's their name and they're working under you in some corporate kind of way? Or do you change the name up or what do you do? Yeah, I haven't decided exactly like if they want to do like a franchise or just have other vans and maybe have an injector. I've even thought of maybe having a van with an esthetician. Um, so that's like, that's is a downfall with being in the van. Like you don't have space to have someone else that can be bringing money into the practice. Yeah, but do you refer out? I think there's probably communities where they don't inject. They would love to have a person refer, you know, back and forth. So do you have connections to different communities where you have referral people in and out and do, do different things like that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then like vice versa, they'll send me, you know, their clients as well. Well, and I'm just thinking right, my brain is just, you know, it, it just goes and spins and spins. I'm thinking right now, if you own a day spa and your patients want to get injected, as opposed to having the injector come in once a month and you have to like pay for that and all it's, you know, a lot of hullabaloo, they just have you roll up, you know, two days a month and you just inject their patients for two days. Like, Man, I mean, guys, this is like the thing. Like, I, I got to go buy a van today, start tricking that dude out and get an injector. I want to be a mobile med spa owner. Mark my words, I'm going to own a damn van if it kills me. We're going to have med spa in it. Or we're putting in an injection suite here in our office in Dallas because we do a lot of injections and filming and things. And so we're going to have a clinic who's going to be here a few days a week. And you got to outfit that thing too, right? You got to buy all the sinks and the supplies. And the, luckily we have tons of beds here and tons of things because of the, the conference, but you got to still build it all out. It's no different. I mean, you still got to do all the work. Might as well have it where you can go wherever you want. You're untethered and you can move to a new city, a new town, and you just pick up your, you just put that dude in drive and you go. You don't have to worry about a lease. I, I love it. I love it. Anywho, I digress from that topic, but I think it is genius. But can you have devices in there as well? Have you thought about devices and how does that work for you? Yeah, initially I didn't. Um, I wasn't thinking about devices, but yeah, I could have devices. I probably may have to change some wiring and things like that. But yeah, there could be devices. At some point you're gonna have an RV and you can have your assistant in the back. You'll be in the front. You'll have devices. But the hydrofacial, I don't know if you've seen the hydrofacial RV that they had years ago. It's like all glass. It would pull up in New York City in Times Square. And it was just like people just like flocked to it because it was so cool, so different. Evelis Van, same thing. They're doing it, you know, everywhere. The, the cadaver RVs are so cool. They have Allegheny has a cadaver lab on wheels. Like this is not a crazy concept. It's to me very normal. But, you know, again, no one's really doing it. You took a huge risk and did it. And I, well, I think it's paying off. But what's next for you, though? What is your next big thing, either with this business or a new business? Or where are you going to go next? I definitely would love to um, do trainings, get into trainings. I definitely have a soft spot in my heart for, for the underdog, for the new injectors coming in. I just felt like when I first started, I really, I just was by myself. I didn't have mentors. I actually, I went to Aesthetic Next uh, 4, I believe it was. And I remember just being there by myself and thinking like, oh, this is like so cool. And I didn't really know anyone so I would love to be a mentor for, for New Year Injectors, which I've kind of have, I do shadowings and I do work with a company and I've done a few classes. So I would like that to grow. 
Yeah, I think you mentioned a great point with the new injectors. How do we fix that problem? You know, if you're a new injector coming into the space, unless you know someone or you're part of the cool kid club that, you know, you've got a mentor that you've known forever who's getting into aesthetics, how do you connect with people? I think Aesthetic Next, one of the things we always want to do is to help you find, you know, your crew, your your cohort to make friends and to share ideas. And if you're in the same kind of level of your learning, you can kind of go through it together. Like you would have residency or fellowship or something. How do we fix that problem? Like what would you have wanted to have when you were younger in the aesthetics world, you know, younger, like two years, three years ago, to connect you to people? Like, how do we fix that problem as an industry veterans that are out there listening to this? You know, how do we give back and, and find a way to unify all of our new people? Because it's unfair to say they should suffer too. Like, I hear that a lot. Well, we had to suffer. We had nothing, but we have things now. So why would we want them? It's like a parent with their child. I want you to have a better life than I had, right? Better than I had when I was coming up. We want to give all of you that so that it's easier to get into the industry that you don't have the learning curve that we had you don't have all the things that we had to deal with you know if you're a veteran injector how do you fix the problem what do you recommend um i think in both ends you have to be open i feel you know the when you've already been in the field i don't know if i'm not sure if they just like you say they want them to suffer because they suffered too or they're afraid that they're going to learn their technique and leave with their technique and i just feel our field there's enough people for us to go around like and why they come to me maybe there's going to be another reason why they go to you so I don't feel like we need to you know hoard you know our all our little secrets and if you're coming in too I feel like you need to humble yourself I feel like some people think like they deserve a lot or their employers should be paying for their training like these trainings are very expensive and if this is a skill that you want to learn if this let's say that your provider decides like okay I don't we're going to close down the business so what now if this is something that you wanted to do this you own that skill and that's something that you should want to grow no one really owes you that like there's yes it's expensive but there's also a lot of free free knowledge out there before I started my first class I would Google their papers and I would read all the different papers. I Googled, you know, how, what this muscle does and when you inject it. So I feel like you should come prepared at least to, you know, your first basic class and just continue grow from there. You're going to learn, okay, what's my weakness. Okay. I need to work on that and just keep going from there and making your little community. Yeah. We have Patreon now too, which we didn't have obviously years ago. I think you can learn, you can learn if you want to do it or not now much cheaper than you could years ago. You know, years ago you had to pay for the whole class, go for the weekend because there was no online exposure to anything, right? If you didn't go learn from someone in, up close, you know, take a course somewhere, you couldn't really learn. Now you can go on Patreon and you can join Erica or Shakira or everyone has a Patreon now and you can learn a lot. You can do, obviously YouTube, I mean, people always poo-poo on YouTube. There's a ton of great content on YouTube. I mean, I feel like Anil Rajani built YouTube. He and, he and Sheena were doing injection stuff on YouTube, like, I don't know, 15 years ago. They kind of taught us all how to how to think about injections years ago. There's so much you can look at now to say, this is really for me or this isn't for me. But I think once you get past that point, you have to go and take trainings and learn. And I think at your training classes, you meet you meet people, right? You meet your cohort, your friends, your colleagues. You start planning trips together to go train together. I think it's just a matter of if you're not going, it helps. But certainly if you're not outgoing, at least there are ways now to kind of get involved. But I think we have to do more for our, our, our newbies because there isn't a whole lot. And I think if you're going to own a business as well, I mean, think about you. You've been a nurse for a long time, right? You, you weren't new to nursing. You were not new to ICU and, and being on your own, thinking on your feet, critical care. Like you knew what you were doing. You just had to learn this skill. 
what if you're a brand new nurse out of college? Like you just finished nursing school and you're going to become an injector and you're going to own a business. Like I can't imagine the fear in that of knowing nothing about either thing and just saying, well, to hell with it. I'm going to give it a whirl and see what happens. Like I just think that'd be just absolutely terrifying. So we got to give them help. We got to give them a safety net somewhere. Yeah, that is very terrifying. But I do feel like maybe a lot of injectors maybe open their own spot because they're training, they're spending all this money and training and no one wants to hire them. And I, people don't realize in aesthetics, there's so many things that you can do. So I also believe that employers should be giving a shot also to new injectors and not be afraid. Like they're not your property at some point, if they want to go somewhere else, like I do agree that yes, you should have certain things like they can't take the patients don't open right next door and things like that, obviously, but the person, you know, they grow and they may go somewhere else. And that is okay. If they leave, you know, in good terms and in good standing, but also if you have a new injector that has grown with you and is bringing money into the practice, they're investing in themselves. Also give them an incentive to stay then because now they're going to leave and now you have to find some new talent, maybe, you know, train them, spend money in training, or if it's someone that has training, if they have the same culture as your business. So I feel like in both ends, there's things that we need to work on. Yeah. You hit a hot button there though, about people who have to go get, or who have to go just build their own practice because they can't get hired. I have a friend I'm thinking about right now who has now built a really successful practice with multiple locations but she couldn't find a job anywhere because she was a new injector. They wouldn't hire her. They wouldn't train her and teach her how to do, you know, things the right way. So she had to go pay for all of her own training, just like you did. And then she said, you know what? Screw it. I'm, I'm tired of waiting around for someone to give me a job. Like I've applied. I've done the things. I've, I've t- taken all the training. I've, you know, I'm coming with a resume fully built, ready to go. And they just won't say yes. And she built her own thing. And now it's really successful and she's doing great. But it was a no choice option. I mean, she didn't have a choice. It was like either do this. I've already invested all this money. I can't keep waiting around. I've got to build it on my own because if not, I'm just going to go back to being a travel nurse or a bedside nurse. And I don't want to do that. That's the whole point of me doing all the training and, you know, getting involved. So I think oftentimes we leave them no choice. So they do build their own. Then we get mad because they built their own. You know, it's like, don't do your own thing. It's like, but you didn't hire me. Well, you know, I didn't hire you, but yeah, I'm mad you did your own thing. It's like, you can't have both, right? You can't have, you can't have both ways. So I think that there is a, a place where if you hire a new injector, you got to train them, spend money on them, invest in them. And they're going to get great. One day they're going to leave. Like just that's the reality of, of how evolution works. If they don't leave, I'm sometimes curious about that. If they've never left and they've been there forever, at some point they should kind of want to become an entrepreneur or at least take a bigger role in the practice, become the director of clinical services or take an equity stake or something to share the load. Um, but yeah, people evolve, they change and they take over. So I, I agree with you. You can't, you can't get mad because they wanted to go out and do their own thing. So be courteous and help them, help them grow. Yeah, you bring something up there. So that's the thing. A lot of people don't talk. It's like when you go to nursing school, they tell you, oh, med surge is the only thing you should do. Like, that's all you could do. And for aesthetics, the the same thing is like, all you could do is inject, but you could be a, in a practice and invest in the practice, have, you know, equity in the practice, but no one really talks about that. That's something I think that also we should be talking about different options for an injector. Also, if all of us are going into business, we are, there's all these trainings, but no one talks about how to own a business. They tell you, you could do it, but nobody tells you how hard it is and how to actually run a business other than, oh, you could buy this talks because it's less expensive. That's like the most business that they talk about in the training. <laughs> 
stay tuned. You have you just hit one of our big, we have a big initiative launching in Q1 of 2024 to solve that exact problem because there is no incubator in our industry. There is no place. You can learn how to inject until you're blue in the face here. I mean, we, we have a training for everything here. You can go to training how to aspirate, how to clean the face. We have one in how to clean how to clean the face and prepare it for an injection. And it, people came to it because they don't know how to do it the right way. But no one says how to get your compliance done, how to pay your taxes, how to think about if you want to do an equity stake for your employees, how to build that. My friend Leslie Tracy talks about this all the time. Like, no one thinks about when you have death, destruction, divorce, dismemberment, these things happen to you. What are you going to do now? Do you have a, you know, do you have an agreement for that? Do you have an exit plan? There's so much that goes into it that it feels like it's the here and now today, but owning a business is like a very long-term vision kind of thing, and you got to be planning it out. And we don't tell anyone how to do that. And if you're a working mom, God forbid you have to like work and have a business and make money and you know still have your hair fixed and look pretty and be at all the social events and be at all the conferences and walk around the red carpet and it's like holy shit a lot going on here and no one really talks about the, the challenges of all that so I could not agree more and we're going to fix that here at Aesthetic Record we're going to fix that problem as best that we can to help get the conversation started for sure so it's definitely a conversation it's like the big elephant in the room that no one's talking about and I feel like a lot of people are getting into aesthetics and they're they're like, oh shit, like this is uh, some serious stuff here. <laughs> it's like a real business. It's not a hobby. It's like, do you want to be a lifestyle owner or do you want to be like a, a business owner? And it's not the same thing. To be a lifestyle owner, you can do toxin all day long, but to be a business owner, you're going to have to do filler and toxin and think about, you know, taxes and vendor relationships and getting your net costs down and all the things that you got to think about every single day if you run a business. So it is a, it's a mind F. It's very challenging, but when it pays off, it pays off big. And for you, you get to go and move around and you're no longer stuck in, in a windowless office with, you know, one patient. You can kind of move around and be untethered, like I said. And, and, and I'm sure it's very freeing for you to be able to do that. Yes, I I love it. Like when I'm in the van, I don't like per, on my personal, when I'm not working, I don't really like driving. But when I'm in the van, I love driving that thing. I don't know. It just makes me so happy. <laughs> Because it's your little world, all all right there with you on wheels. Well, I just think it's a cool concept, and congratulations on building, again, what I think is probably the stepping stone for a, a big future in our industry. And people are going to be calling you after this episode to find out how to do it. So give us your information, how to find you, website information, Instagram handle, all the things. So, yes, on Instagram, um, MC underscore aesthetics. And then my website is michellechapmanesthetics.com. And actually, I was going to ask you, too. You said you knew a few vendors, so I want that information, too, that help with the build-out. I will send you some names. We've got some that um, always want to bring their vans to AR or AN, so we, I've got you some names. But, yeah, if you guys are interested in doing this concept, I think Michelle's a great place to start just to get her feedback. But also, again, it, it takes a little bit of extra energy to get the van built out, and just it's a bit different. So I think don't kid yourself in thinking that it's easier or cheaper because it's not. It's just It's just different. Guys, get a hold of Michelle, and we'll be watching your Instagram to see what else you're doing next, and you're franchising, and you're modeling, and you're growing, and all the things you're going to do soon. So keep us informed, and as it grows, I'm curious. I want to know all the happenings. I'd love to come, have you come to AN and talk about it on stage next year. Yes, I would love to. I would love that. Well, with that, we're going to sign off here today, and we'll see you guys again next week with another episode of For the Record. And Michelle, again, thanks so much for coming on. It was so good to see you, and we appreciate it. Yes, of course. Thank you so much for having me on. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to another episode of For the Record. This podcast is not intended to provide legal or medical advice. It's for entertainment, education, and information purposes only. For more information on this week's guest or to get started with Aesthetic Record, email us at info at aestheticrecord.com. 
Be sure to tune in next week for more fresh perspectives on disrupting the status quo and surviving in the aesthetics industry.